0: And uh, we're going to read this really important text from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, if you'll turn there with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. That you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Amen. This uh, section here in Deuteronomy chapter 11, the Jews call it the Shema, which that word just means to hear. And uh, devout devout Jews would would, uh, recite this section every day, every day as a part of their religious uh, practice. Uh, because they wanted to remember that Moses had given to them the command to teach their children. And that you notice in this text that it, it lists three generations. To you, to your sons, and to your sons, sons. That every succeeding generation would know the law of God. Would know the word of the Lord. And it was to be passed on. Uh, to each succeeding generation now let me just say here at the at the beginning that uh, for those that uh, have sent your you do send your kids to public school or if you are uh, if you work or teach in a public school this is not intended at all uh, to be a, a, a statement against you or w- what you do or your calling or your purpose I'm grateful for every every Christian teacher in the public school system and uh, for everyone that's involved in, in education. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I'm speaking only from the perspective uh, as a church and what God has given to us as a, uh, a calling, I believe, and a conviction that we have concerning Christian education. It's very, very much... Uh, A sacrifice on the part of any church that operates a Christian school. You only can really uh, see it like we see our missionaries that we support. We see the work of the ministry of the Christian school like a mission. We know that it's a mission and a mandate that God has given to us, and uh, so we follow through with that calling and that uh, that purpose. And uh, that we, we can be a part of raising up godly generations. Generations of young people that know the Lord well enough that they can pass it on to their children. And to their children's children that the same uh, truths can be passed on. I think we're all pretty much uh, aware of the fact that we live in a very hostile environment right now. And even in our beloved United States of America, it's becoming more and more of a hostile environment when it comes to the attitudes toward God and the Bible and spiritual things and, the, and Christianity as a whole. We have, we're finding ourselves in a very, very uncomfortable situation in our nation right now. The contrast is presented very clearly in 1st John chapter 5 and verse 19 we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness so John is not mincing any words there when he says there's only two uh, uh, classes or two spheres of, of people in our world today those that are in Christ and then those that are Under the control of the world. They are controlled by the spirit of the world. Under the sway of uh, the wicked one. And you don't have to look far at all to see that this is very evident. It's in the music of the world. It's in the social media of the world. It's in most TV and movies of the world. It's everywhere that uh, every possible outlet... The world is, is uh, attempting to control everything that's going on uh, in our world today. Now you can't hardly even step into certain uh, fast food restaurants or even uh, department stores, uh, but what you're going to be uh, inundated with a powerful worldly influence. It's just the world that we live in right now. It is the world. Is it getting worse? Oh yes. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And I believe that God has given to us a mandate because not only are we in the world, the Bible talks about this in Jesus's prayer there in uh, John chapter 17. His prayer for his disciples was, he said, I prayed Not that you would take them out of the world. We know that that's not the will of God, that we just isolate ourselves completely from the world. That's not God's will. That we, you know, separate ourselves and move off somewhere and develop a little Christian commune. We know that's not the will of God. Jesus said, I pray, don't take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil of the world. And then he said, They're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. So we're not to be a part of the world. We're not to be under the control or the influence of the world system today. But we are to very much be a part of the world in the sense that God has put us in the world so that we can make an impact upon our world around us. Amen. That is the call of God. Jesus said, I have given them thy word. That was the key. I have given them thy word. That's John 17 and 14. I've given them thy word, and the world hateth them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so our attitude, our understanding of the world and the world system needs to be clear we need to we need to we need to be alert spiritual people men and women of god who are alert to the thinking the philosophy and the ways of the world and understand that it is opposite of the ways of god amen if the world is into it big time you can be sure we need to be going the opposite direction. Whatever the world loves and is pursuing, and it's, uh, if it's the going thing, if it's the trend of the world, we need to be going the other direction. We need to be opposing it because the things of God and the things of the Word of God are completely opposite of the ways of the, lo- of the, of the world. So we need to have a, a right... Attitude and a right understanding of uh, the world's system. It's the system whereby Satan is in control of the philosophy. He's in control of the ideology. He's in control of the system of this world. He is the God of this world. He is controlling much of what is going on in the world, but yet we are called to that same world. We're called to that same world to make an impact and an influence, and that should be our conviction. Amen. Several things about the world that the Bible is clear on. Number one, we're not to love the world. We are not to love the world. We're not to allow the world and the attraction of the world to to get a hold of our hearts and cause us to, to love the things of the world. Another thing about the world we need to remember, and that is that the world is not permanent. The world's system is temporary, and it is uh, always changing. It's not consistent. Uh, the only thing that's sure, steadfast, consistent, that you can build your life on, and that is the truth of God's Word, because the world is constantly changing. The philosophies and the ways of the world are constantly changing. It's like uh, uh, what Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 7, that the, the wise man builds his house on a solid rock. The foolish man builds a house on the sand. He thinks he can get by with it, but as soon as the storm begins to blow and the winds beat against his house, it collapses because it's not on a firm foundation. The foundation of the world is inconsistent. It is not true. It is not dependable. But God's word is dependable. No matter what age, no matter what culture, no matter what country, it doesn't matter. The word of the Lord is a solid foundation that you can build your life on and you can build your family upon. Amen. Another thing about the world, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the Christian education here in a minute here. <clears throat> Another thing about this world, and that is um, the God of this world, one of the, one of the things that he, he does, the Bible talks about it in Second Corinthians 4 and 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds. He clouds the understanding of uh, what's pure and right and good and valuable. Uh, the God of this world blinds the minds. So that they can't see the need for the gospel, they can't see the light of the gospel, they can't comprehend it or understand that it's important to them. Let me tell you, the world is clouded by a worldly philosophy. Just this week, I was speaking to a, an attorney in our community, good guy, uh, but this attorney said uh, uh, he was he was immediately went to, you know. When you're, they're talking to preachers, they always want to talk the spiritual talk. And, uh, and so he wanted to talk to me about uh, what's going on. in the, this you know, And he said, I, I really feel like that we need to make room for this transgender and that they have their rights and legally they have their rights. And I said, I said that may be true. That may be you know, all a part of the, you know, the, the legal. They may have their legal rights. I said, but we live by a higher standard. We live by the word of God. And the Word of God rejects that philosophy, rejects that ideology. It rejects it. And so we, we, we do not, uh, uh, we, we're not going to allow our minds to be clouded by a worldly philosophy because we know what the Word of the Lord says. The God of this world blinds the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them then i also mentioned this already about the world and that is the whatever's going on in the world uh the world's ideas and philosophy is always counter to the wisdom of god it's not the same it's the opposite it's always the opposite friendship with the world is enmity with god and so wherever you develop your affection and your connections and Your friendships with, as far as the world is concerned, it's a dangerous thing. It can be a stranglehold on your spiritual life. It can drain you of your spiritual life if you allow the ways of the world to get a grip on you. And that is what Satan wants to do. Now, I'm very grateful for London Christian Academy and for the vision of those who started the school all those many years ago. I know it was started with a vision so that young people could be, they could receive quality academic training in a spiritual atmosphere, in a godly atmosphere. So in a place where the word of God was preeminent, where the word of God was, was uh, the final word on everything. And uh, that was uh, and so to provide a quality Christian education in a godly atmosphere, with godly people who were leading the classes and teaching the classes, uh, people who walked with God, people who are people of prayer, people that have known the Lord, know how blessed we have been over the years. Just a few months ago, I had a conversation on the phone with Sister Sandra Chase. those of you that have known her over the years she was a part of uh, the school staff here for a a lot of years and she she was kind of like the uh, uh, she was the person that everyone looked to and said she's the Christian school teacher I want to be like she had the qualities and commitment to her students a dedication to her students and she poured out of her life into them. She's now 80 years old. And uh, she is um, uh, obviously not teaching uh, anymore and hasn't for a number of years. But uh, she did. Did she waste her life? She certainly didn't make a lot of money. But did she waste her life? Oh, no. She invested in the lives of hundreds and hundreds of young people and children here in our school, and God used her in such a wonderful way to make a spiritual impact that only eternity is really going to reveal the impact that she made. Amen. And even today, we have uh, teachers and staff in our school that are every day making a spiritual impact upon the lives of young people, and we praise God for that. But again, I'm not, I'm not a public school basher. I attended and graduated from a public school. But I did have some of the experiences. and uh, Only when I look back upon them, I didn't really know all the things that were happening during that time. I didn't, I didn't understand the full impact uh, of decisions that were being made in the 1960s uh, to remove the Bible and to remove prayer from the school's. And um, I, I don't remember. All I remember is that all the way up through the fourth grade, fifth grade, that I had teachers that uh, we memorized scripture in the public school. We, we read the Bible. We, had, uh, we pledged to the, uh, to the flag. Uh, we went through those routines that uh, were a part of uh, earlier American uh, public education. That began to be removed. Gradually, teachers were put under pressure to remove some of those things uh, out of of the, the classroom. Interesting enough, then starting in 1970, things changed dramatically. Things such as school shootings then became a reality. There were 20 school shootings in 1970. This year, already in 2023, there have been 24 public school shootings, And there have been 35 people that have died. 22 have been injured. There were 51 school shootings in 2022. I don't know. I can't. I just believe that there is a connection with removing God, removing the scripture, removing prayer and these things from the school. And then seeing the end result of some of these tragedies that have come to some of the schools across America Things like violence and perversion and rebellion and even illiteracy and many of these things that have affected the school systems across uh, America today. But what we have here is a very great privilege. And we need to see it for what it is. It is a privilege and a blessing from the Lord to be able uh, to have the combined effort of uh, which is really a powerful combination When you have a Christian home and a godly, spirit-filled church and a godly Christian school, then you have a threefold impact upon your household and upon your family. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, it says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so we have a threefold cord here in that we have Christian families, we have Christian influence through the the ministry of the church, and we have uh, a Christian school. What a blessing that we have here at this location. Praise God for it, and praise God for what he has raised up here over the years, and for the many children and young people that have been impacted by it. I want to just talk about, I know my time is is running out here but uh, i want to talk about uh, first of all the responsibility of parents Um, the church and the school is really only reinforcing what should already be being taught at home it should already being influenced at home Um, many of you heard me talk about my home that i grew up in my dad wasn't saved, my mom got, mother got saved when we were very young, my, myself and my brothers were, my mother became a, a godly influence and uh, she became a person of prayer and I would hear her praying every morning, early in the morning, the first thing that I would see when I would get up to, to get ready for school, I would go into the dining room and there was always an open Bible, always an open Bible on the dining room table where my mother has been reading. And while we ate our cornflakes, uh, my mom would read the Bible to us uh, before we took off for school. That was, the, that was the way I was raised. That was the impact of, of a Christian home. And, uh, oh, how blessed we are to have Christian homes. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, fathers." Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So parents have a God-given responsibility uh, to influence them with the truth and the teaching and influencing them to know God and to love the things of God, to love the word of God, to love the house of God. Amen. So we have a responsibility as parents. We have a responsibility as a church to our youth and our young people, amen. That uh, this should be the first line of our responsibility. Uh, we believe in outreach, we wanna reach out to people in the community, we wanna reach out through missions and we do all of those things, but right here is the first line of our responsibility to our children, to our youth, to our young people that as a church we understand that we have a responsibility to them. We believe in outreach. We believe in missions, but we also believe that through Sunday school, through every uh, church service and church program that we have. Many years ago, uh, when we started the Wednesday night groups and classes, our original goal was so we had saw we we saw so many of the children coming in on the bus that that. Uh, they didn 't know the stories of the Bible they didn 't know just the common stories of Abraham and Isaac and Noah and uh, joseph and and uh, the common stories that we 're familiar with in the Bible, many of them they didn 't know the stories of the Bible and so that, that was one of our goals as we, as we started the Wednesday night groups was that that, uh, that there would be a Bible stories told on those Wednesday nights. Um, and then they would be illustrated uh, through, uh, through the crafts and through every part of the evening, even sometimes the snack. It all was to be a, an effort to teach them uh, the stories of the Bible that would lay a foundation of God's truth in their heart. Amen. And so that's why that was begun. And because we want them to know what the Bible says and to understand that the word of God is life, it's truth, and it's the foundation of our Christian experience. We've, we must know the word of the Lord. So there is the responsibility of the parents, there's the responsibility of the local church, and then we have the responsibility of the Christian school. Praise God. That in our school, children every day can work on sections of scripture that they are memorizing. Every month they learn, depending on their age group, if they're in the high school level, they learn a large section of Scripture. And then it's a little less for the younger groups, but they all memorize a good portion of Scripture every month. If they're working through the, the paces, all of those paces have repeated references to Scripture verses and to character traits that they're being reminded of every day of their life. They have a teacher that if they come in and they, they've they got problems or if they're sick or they're in need, they have a teacher that can say, well, let's pray. Let's pray. And they can pray for that child. Pray with them. Do you understand what a blessing and a privilege that we have here and responsibility that we have Not only do they memorize scripture, but they learn character lessons all throughout the curriculum. And they also have an opportunity each week to go into a chapel service where they can worship the Lord and hear the word of the Lord taught and ministered in the chapel service. Yes, they still pledge allegiance to the flag, they still start their day with pledges to the flag, to the Bible. To the word of God, they still are taught respect for authority to honor those that are in authority, and they are expected uh, to do just that. What a blessing it is, what a privilege and what a responsibility that it is. Amen. Now, according to the book of Galatians, chapter four, it describes really how our responsibilities are shared. Because as parents If you enroll your kid here at LCA, you are sharing your responsibility with teachers. And I'll just say this. If you do have your children in public school, then you have a responsibility to learn about that teacher. Learn about that teacher. Meet that teacher and make sure that that teacher is a person that is going to complement your Christian values. Amen. Know the teacher, know them. Get involved in the governing process in the city council—or not the city council, but the school uh, council. Be aware. Be aware, and encourage your child if they're in the public school to be involved in things like Bible clubs and prayer groups that they can—they can have. Not in the main group, I understand, but there are opportunities that they have even in the public school and uh, encourage that and uh, parents always be alert because remember it is your responsibility your sons and daughters are your responsibilities before God but Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1 it says that the heir as long as he is a child differeth nothing from a servant though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. That verse is just describing the fact that uh, sons, uh, you can delegate some of your responsibility to others, to tutors and governors. You can can delegate some of your responsibility to the teachers and the administrators of uh, London Christian Academy, but primarily the responsibility is yours. You can delegate it to others uh, to teach them and to instruct them. Uh, but uh, we have a God-given responsibility uh, to be there and be involved in every aspect of the training and the teaching of our children. Amen. Why? Because we want to raise up godly generations. We want our sons and our daughters to know the Lord. We want our grandchildren to know the word of God and to know the things of God. And the impact is powerful. The impact is amazing, What God can do in the lives of young people. Right now we have a wonderful group of young people and you'll hear them sing tonight in the service. The choir is gonna be made up of all these young folks from the age 10 up to 20. If you're in that group, uh, young people, Come to the practice at 5.30 and you, you'll be reminded. Let me tell you, one of the most impactful things that we have during Missions Conference every year is when our school groups sing. When they sing, people are in awe of it. They're in awe of it. And we, we get, I'm sure Brother Greg gets it, but I get all, so many people saying, that was amazing, that was a highlight to see those young people singing, to see that great group of of students from LCA walk up there and sing, and what a blessing that they are. And we're just so blessed and privileged to be a part of it, because we're not only teaching them, but we are wanting to raise up young men and women who wanna follow the will of God, serve the Lord, and then when the time comes that they have their own families, that they'll do the same, and teaching and training their sons and daughters to know the Lord so that we can raise up godly generations in this present age. As I already said, we're dealing with a culture today that's so anti, so so opposing, and so deceptive. They have to know what they believe. They have to get the truth down deep in their heart. So when they face the challenges of the world, they won't be swayed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be involved in, in the work of, of Christian training. And thank you, Lord, for the blessing of LCA and how that you've used the ministry, Lord, to touch so many lives over the years. We're grateful. And we just pray, Lord, that t- today, that this, these services today will just be a reminder to us of the great blessing and privilege that we have to be a part of it. And I ask you, Lord, God, to stir the hearts of people. And I pray a special blessing upon our workers, our teachers, our staff, Lord, in our school, who each one of them give of themselves and sacrifice so that they can invest in the lives of young people. Thank you for them. And I pray your blessing upon them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.